Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Hi, Wendy James here. You're listening to Soho Garage on Soho Radio, and I'm guesting for your regular host, James Maynell. Today's show is going to feature an interview with Chris Franz from Talking Heads and Tom Tom Club. Chris has his memoir out on sale now, and it's called Remain in Love. It's available on Amazon, and hard copies of it are in rough trade, and of course all venerable booksellers. I'll be talking to him about his journey and life in rock and roll, and equally his long-loving partnership with his co-musician and wife, Tina Weymouth. They both happen to be two of my closest friends, and have taken me into the loving embrace of their whole family. I've spent Christmases and birthdays with them, and even lived with them for a while, and I love them dearly, so this is a great pleasure for me, and it's a great chat that we have. It was a pre-record, and we talked and recorded for over an hour, so much so that I've had to separate it out into two shows, today's and the last Friday of August, because otherwise there would hardly be any time to play music. I've decided this show will be a kind of free wheel through the musical decades, and what a rich seam of groove it is. I started the show by playing Teenage Dirtbag by Wheatus. It's the old classic, quiet verse, loud chorus, which Nirvana made so desirable, and the pop video for it is from a movie called Loser, starring Jason Biggs and Mina Savari. Obviously, Jason Biggs owns that kind of nerd character from American Pie, and Mina was the object of fantasy in American Beauty with Kevin Spacey. After that, I played Rush by Big Audio Dynamite. What can I tell you? Back in the day... A big audio dynamite gig was a thing of beauty. One particular year, Transvision Vamp and BAD were all touring across America at the same time, leapfrogging into the same venues the night before or after and culminating in Hollywood where it was literally as if West London had colonised LA. All our band members, all our road crews, and all the expat musicians living there, like Steve Jones from The Pistols, Billy Duffy from The Cult, and uh, Billy Idol. And after all our shows would congregate at a late-night bar called Black and Blue. Yes, West London. Finally, I played Grandmaster Flash and The Furious Five, The Message. It's a classic, released on Sugar Hill Records in 1982, And it just evokes that wondrous period of time when all five boroughs of New York were beginning to cross-pollinate their cultures and inform each other's art, music and expression. Black, uptown hip-hop influenced white, downtown, new wave. 
Mick Jones from The Clash, Chris and Tina, Malcolm McLaren, Blondie, they were all inspired by the hip-hop sounds, dances and looks of the street. And there's a super famous shot by Laura Levine of Grandmaster Flash and Tina Weymouth, both holding their massive boom boxes on their shoulders. I wasn't in the scene at the time, but it sums up so much for me that I love. And there's a great book I read called Life and Death on the New York Dance Floor by Tim Lawrence. Tom Tom Club are mentioned in there for being Mud Club alumni. And funnily enough, when I finished reading it, I sent it to Chris during COVID. And it took six weeks to get from France to the USA. Anyway, it's got super nerdy details in the book if you're interested in that kind of thing. Now I'm going to play Buddy Holly by Weezer, Malcolm McLaren, Buffalo Gals, The Extended Mix, and then Talking Heads Once in a Lifetime. Buddy Holly by Weezer is great. And the video of them on the Happy Days set with footage of the cast of Happy Days you know, Richie Cunningham, Mr. and Mrs. Cunningham, Potsy and Al is brilliant and directed by legendary Spike Jones. Malcolm McLaren was very much in the zeitgeist of bringing hip-hop from the Bronx to a wider, whiter audience, a real game-changer. Malcolm had the balls and instinct and he led the way once again. He teamed up with the world-famous Supreme Team, and the Rocksteady Crew and his groundbreaking album Duck Rock came out in 1983. And then Talking Heads, this song, Once in a Lifetime, is so famous and it's been used in so many movies. It's from their Remain in Light album, released in 1981, and is incredible. And after that, Chris Franz, the Chris Franz, will join us for part one of my interview with him. Enjoy. Pleasure to welcome to Soho Radio, Soho Garage, Chris Franz, the man, the icon, the founder member of Talking Heads and Tom Tom Club, and one of the one of the musicians that changed the world from CBGB in downtown New York City in the late and mid 1970s. He is here to regale us with his stories and tell us about his long-awaited, much-anticipated, completely essential memoir, Remain in Love. Chris, how are you? Oh, I'm I'm very well, Wendy. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for <laughs> super introduction. The man, the myth, the legend, the icon. The icon. Well, uh, you no, are. Tina's the icon. I'm the man behind the icon. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this book, my goodness, tell me, it's been you've been writing it for a while. Yes, I. I uh, let's see. I started, I think, two years ago. Does that sound about right? Yeah. I, I, I decided to do it um, after thinking about it for, for many, many years, like way too many years. And, and people started saying, so Chris, when are you going to do that book you were talking about? And um, uh, I spoke to my manager. I said, I'm ready to do it, but I think I need a good literary agent. Oh. And he, he found me one. and. It, we, we had a meeting and the guy said to me, now, Chris, we don't usually do rock stars here, but I think you have an, in 
but I think you have an interesting story to tell. So here's what you gotta do. You, get, you gotta write an outline, and then you have to write a precy, a synopsis of what the book is about. And then you have to write three chapters, and they have to be good, really good, you know? So I said, okay, I'll, I can do that. And I did it, and like a week later, I had... Where did you begin? I mean, how did you begin? I mean, did, uh, you, start, did you just start telling uh, some of your anecdotes? I did not work in chronological order. I, yeah. I, I just wrote about whatever, basically whatever good memories popped into my head because I had so many good memories right. from Talking Heads days and Tom Tom Club and events that happened outside of the band completely. So, uh, so uh, you know, I consider myself a very fortunate guy. Yeah. And, and I, uh, so, the, the last thing I wanted to do, Wendy, is write some whiny book beating up on my lead singer. That's what some people were expecting to expecting of you. I don't think so. If they know you, uh, a lot of people don't know me. You know, I'm not as well known as you, Wendy. But but but, uh, yeah, I'm far more well known. What are you talking about? (laughs) Um, In any case, uh, I I I wanted the tone to be uh, positive and uh, rewarding for the reader. Uh, I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't, didn't want to write a, a tell all or some nasty piece of writing. I, I, um, so when I want... you, when you were submitting your first three test chapters, which <laughs> stories did you think would, um, sell the project to them? Uh, well, uh, one of the first ones I wrote was, uh, um, the day I met Tina Weymouth. Oh, what a day. <laughs> because that's, that's the theme that continues throughout the book. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, it, it real, the, my book really is a, a love letter to Tina. And um, so I wrote that one the day I met, when she came pe- pedaling down the street on a bicycle wearing, wearing oh, a... was this? When you were at RISD? Yeah, we were at the Rhode Island School of Design. Uh, it was my second year. It was Tina's first year there. She transferred in from Barnard College. Right. And so she was, she was the, one of the new kids. And what and year was this? This was uh, 1970, let's see, fall of 1971. Wow. <gasps> yeah, so it's, we've really known really each other for 50 years, Wendy. And that first time you saw her, what was she doing? Cycling down this? Is that the first time you ever saw her? Yes. I was sitting in a little park that they call, referred to as the, the RISD Beach. The yeah. students would hang out there in between classes and watch the traffic go by and watch, you know, smoke a joint, stuff like that. And um, Tina came wheeling by on this uh, yellow vintage three-speed bicycle and she was wearing <gasps> very, very short cut-off jeans and um uh, a uh saint james blue and white oh she's sailor shirt. <laughs> and, and uh she had a, a really nice fresh 
shag haircut. Uh, and uh, she didn't see me, but I saw her. Wow. <laughs> and did you think, wowza, who's that girl? Yes, I said to my friend who was sitting next to me, uh, wow, did you see her? And he said, oh, that's Martina. And I said, oh, Martina, which is, of course, her full name. Right. And, and um, it means little, little warrior is what it oh, means. she is. Tina is. Yeah. And um, uh, the how, next. How did your friend know who she was? Well, my, my friend that I was sitting next to was actually one of the artist models, a male model for, for the drawing classes and painting classes. His name was Char Charlie the Model. And, uh, and Charlie, you know, he was much older than the rest of us. He, he had been in World War II, and people thought that he might have shell shock because he was, he was a little different. Right. Um, a lot of people at RISD were different, to be honest, in certain ways. But, but uh, Charlie said, oh, that's my friend Martina. He called everybody his friend. Right. And, uh, he was he was very popular with the students, and um, he really knew how to hold a pose. And I'm sure. <laughs> did he yeah. um, did he introduce? Did he say, "Well, I can introduce you to her if you like"? No, no, he didn't. He didn't say that. But uh, the next day, I had a figure. This was the beginning of the school year in September of '71, and I. I uh, I had a figure painting class with the great Richard Merkin, who happens to be on the cover of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. He's one of, one of the faces with a hat and a mustache, because he was friends with Peter Blake, the artist who made the cover of Sergeant Pepper. So uh, I went to Richard Merkin's painting class, and it was a figure painting class, and I'm setting up my canvas on my easel, you know, and got my paint box there and my palette and getting ready to go. And I look over, a, it was a rather large studio with maybe 20, 20 students. Oh and I, I looked across the room and there was Tina. Ooh. And I thought- now, Did you know she would be in this class? No, I had no idea. It was the first class of the year, you know, and, uh, uh, after after the class, I, I screwed up my courage and I, I introduced myself. Right. She already had a boyfriend at the time, and I already had a girlfriend. But but I could tell I could tell that this was the this was the one, you know. Wow. Um, yeah. And how did she respond to you? <laughs> she was very nice. Uh, she she smiled, and I I. I told her my name and she said, my name is Tina. Uh, we, we talked about how we had enjoyed the class and, and one thing led to another. It took, it I had to be very patient. It took time, you well, know. To, well, best things do, don't they? Do they? Yeah, that's right. That's right, Wendy. My goodness. But, but let's see, what were we, what were we listening to then? I was going to ask, what did the subject of music come up? You were all, were you, did you already see yourself as a drummer at that point or were you just there? Oh yeah, I, I, uh -huh, yeah. I, didn't, I did not have my drum, oh wait, I did have my drums. I had brought my drums 
to, uh, to school during my second year. So I had just brought my drum set up from Pittsburgh, where right. I lived. When did you start playing? When, was this something you'd done as a kid? <clears throat> yeah, I started in the elementary school band. I think I was in the fourth grade. Right. Maybe the fifth grade. Um, in, in, in any case, I was young. And, uh, I mean, but I, lo I loved music, you know? Right. In England, um, there's, and I guess it's the same in America, and I don't know if it's the case so much now, but in the old days, it was a kind of rite of passage for British musicians to join art school, get their art school grant, and uh -huh. fund buying their amps and meet, you know, meet fellow like-minded guys and form bands, whether it's the Kinks or the Clash. Uh -huh. All, you know, many, many bands have come out of art school. Is that the Yeah, same I think Keith, Keith Richards went to art school too, didn't he? Yeah. I think. But and the Who members of the Who probably. Yeah, I mean it was a real thing, and I, 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 yeah. So was that the same kind of tradition? Did you go to art school to form a band? In other words, no. I went to art school because I, I uh, loved painting, and I thought I was going to be a painter. Mm -hmm. I had played the drums for some time, but I, I didn't know that if I, if I was cut out to be. Uh, I was being realistic about myself. I didn't know if I was cut out to be a, in a rock and roll band that was going to, you know, succeed. I, I had my doubts about that. I, I thought, well, you know, the, those guys, those guys that succeed in rock groups are, are really cool. And usually they come from like London or, or Liverpool or, right. you know, Memphis, Tennessee or San Francisco. They don't come from Pittsburgh. You know? <laughs> or Kentucky, of course. Now, you? now that's of course not true anymore. But um, what were you listening to that made you? I mean, I'm going to play some songs in a minute. So, what what were you listening to at that time that called you into more and more to go towards rock and roll and even bring up the subject to Tina? Well, I was listening to a lot of James Brown, right. and he and James had at that particular time had a song called gonna have a funky good time mm. uh, is that the title i can find the, it the the title might actually be doing it to death Ooh, but anyway <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it the chorus is gonna have a funky good time and, and i just uh i mean everybody connected with that right was it on was it on uh was it out at that time? Were you all listening, like, if, at, at school, I don't know, yeah. dance nights or whatever you had? Uh, yeah. Yes, we were. That was what was on. We, we, had, we had a, the drinking age was 18 at that time. Mm. Uh, so they had a bar at, at the Rhode Island School of Design called the Tap Room. And uh, they had a jukebox in the tap room, and this song was on the jukebox. Oh, my goodness. Well then, yeah. let um let me pause here, and we'll play a couple of songs, and um I'll come back to you in a second. Hit it. Thank Soon. you. Oh, how you feel, brother? Feeling good. You feel good? Feeling good. It's really so much bone, brother. How you feel, man? Okay, here we are, and I'm still having the pleasure of speaking with Chris Franz of Talking Heads and Tom Tom Club about his new book. 
which I must tell you how to buy it, and Chris can tell you how to buy it and pre-order it. And it's called yeah. Remain in Love. And I'm get why Remain in Love, Chris. I mean, I know, but if for those of you, for those uh, listeners which aren't familiar with every title of the Talking Head, Remain in yeah. Love um, is what. Well, well, one of our famous albums, maybe one of our most famous albums, is called Remain in Light. And when I was thinking, you know, it's a great album, if I do say so myself. The drums are fantastic. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, Who produced that? Was it, was it Brian Eno? Yes, Brian Eno produced it with Talking Heads. Right, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, I, I was writing this memoir and I thought, well, I've got to have a title. I've got to have a title. What's it going to be? And I thought, of, I thought about, you know, several different titles that were good. They were okay. But, but then, I, then one day it just popped into my head, remain in love. And, and I thought, that's it. There's no doubt. So, and I, che I checked it with Tina and like this big smile came on her face. And, and and I checked it with my manager, and my manager was like, yeah, that's great. So, so uh, we went with that. It's perfect because this book is about your life in music, the, the adventures yeah. and successes and experiences you've had, and your, your life with the love of your life, Tina Weymouth. Yes, and it, it's also, it, well, as you, as you pointed out, it's about, different types of love like love for a band love of music love of your friends and, and of course love of your uh life and your family and mm -hmm. so it's different types of love and one thing i say in the book is that nowadays it's i i've noticed it's popular for people to say it's time to move on right. you hear that a lot yeah, move like, on. Yeah. Like, it's time to move on. And, and uh, one of the points of my book is that uh, I'm not a person who moves on, certainly not from my band or my family or my friends. I remain. Constant. And I remain in love. So, so there you have it in a nutshell. What a really lovely sentiment, especially, you know, we won't delve into our politics of the time, but uh, what a nice sentiment to have at the moment, uh, to be pro-love, pro <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and, and, you know, I love a good love story. I'm, I'm not too butch to dig that. <laughs> oh, little man has a, has a, has a um, sensitive side. Yes. Um, but, and all so many of our favorite songs, whether they're punk songs or, um, you know, girl group songs like the Shangri-Las or something, so many of the best songs are just simple or rock and roll, right? Uh, Little Richard or so many of the best songs are based yeah. on a simple, why don't you love me? I love you so much, you know, let's uh -huh. stay in love forever. So uh, yeah. the one theme that unites in all human experience, isn't it? Falling in love and breaking up. <laughs> yes, and making love. And making up, yeah, making love. Yeah, so, don't forget that. So in the <laughs> first, first segment, I, uh, I'd managed to get you uh, 
to tell us how you how you'd seen Tina and you know you're listening to James James Brown at the RISD bar and then then what happens how does life proceed well um David Byrne and I started a little band it was actually my idea um I I was I was I was speaking to a friend of mine his name is Mark Kehoe and I I was speaking to Mark, and Mark was a, a film student, and he was making a film about his girlfriend getting run over by a car. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And he, he said, Chris, I know you play drums. Could you help me with some music for this film? And I said, Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, bring your Nagra tape recorder up to uh, Tina's carriage house, which is where Tina was kind enough to let me keep my drums in her little carriage house and and we'll record it there and he said i'm gonna bring along a friend of mine who plays guitar and i said great we'll we'll do something together and so he he we all arrived and uh he said uh, mark said chris i'd like you to meet my friend david byrne and david had his guitar which was at the time covered in leopard skin contact paper it was a like wow. a fender not a fender i think music master anyway uh uh he uh mark said no i want you to to do some really cacophonous music that that uh sort of like to go along with this car crash that crescendos and then diminuendo so david and i just improvised something like really cacophonous and crazy and uh, i think we got it on the first take i think mark said that's great and um and afterwards i i said to david i i i hadn't seen david around the school uh but we didn't really know each other um he had been a student there but we didn't have any classes together and th and then he dropped out and then he but he continued to hang out around the campus. And anyway, uh, uh, I said to David, I've been thinking about starting a band, you know, just for, for fun here at school to entertain our friends and play at parties. And would you be interested in doing that? And, and David said, yeah, I can do other stuff besides what we just did right now. And, and uh, I said, good, let's do it. And I, I organized some other friends, uh, another guitar player named David Anderson, who was a family friend from Kentucky right. that had gone to RISD, and a bass player, Hank Staler. Right. And, and the four, we rehearsed at Hank's apartment, and the four of us uh, had this band. We called it the Artistics. And, <laughs> and we played mostly cover songs. Right. Like the, oh, like, like what? like I Can't Explain by The Who, mm -hmm. and uh, All Day and All Night by The Kinks, and oh, one great song we did, we, along with our friend Mark and his uh, girlfriend Naomi, we did My Baby Must Be a Magician. <laughs> I did that one. Who's yeah, that? yeah, and Mark and Naomi would sit, do the vocal like duet style. And so we we just had a ball with this band. We we uh, we also uh, around this time 
Dave, David came to uh, the painting studio on campus that I shared with Tina. And we were, we were working away and David came in and he said, I got this song I've started. I wonder if you could help me with it. And uh, it's called Psycho Killer. Oh my God. Yeah. So, and he said, I, now I, I, I want the, the bridge of the song to be in a foreign language. And I said, well, T Tina speaks French. She could write something for you in French, which she did. She proceeded to do that. And, uh, and I also added, um, he only had one verse and a chorus. So, so I added a couple more verses that I wrote very quickly. And so uh, within, within three out within like a, a few hours, there was a finished song called Psycho Killer. <laughs> did, you, did it have that bass line? Not yet. Right. Tina, well, Tina we... wasn't even playing bass yet. Right. That, that came later. But. Uh, but it, the, so would it be fair to say Psycho Killer is your first song? Yes, Psycho Killer was the first song we ever wrote. Well, um, it, sorry, go ahead. And, and it was, it indicated to me that we should do more of this. You wow. know? Like, like, this is great. This is like a mashup between the Velvet Underground and Otis Redding. And which, how, were, which were also two artists that we, you know, two, two types of music that we loved. And every, everyone was mind melding everyone was on the same page yes yes oh, and, um but uh, you know i'm gonna play psycho killer in a minute obviously um how on earth did tina become the bass player and um how did she write that bass line i'm pretty sure she wrote that bass line now it could be that the original uh bass player hank had a had a similar kind of bass line but I'm quite sure it wasn't as minimalist mm. or as funky. I mean, it's one of, one of the most famous bass intros in the world, I think now. And then yes. footage yes. for everyone, go on YouTube and watch early, early, early Talking Heads down in CBGB when, because it's, Tina's such a uh, slender and, exquisite figure and then she's got this massive face hanging around it's yeah. very impressive for girls like me so so it was my idea that tina should play bass in our band and i i wanted her to play bass in the artistics um but she said oh no no those rock groups that's a boys club that's a it's a guy thing right. uh, uh, you know what she was talking about mm. and uh and she just said i'll be very supportive of you i'll give you all the encouragement you need but but i'm not gonna be in the band um uh she did however allow us to use her car she had a little plymouth oh, value she allowed us to use our her car to move our drums and our amps around in right. but uh the reason I thought she would be a good bass player is um, I knew that David and I were uh, shared shared a kind of musical or or uh, shared a kind of uh, artistic aesthetic 
uh, we liked a lot of the same things, uh, particularly when it came to music. And I also knew that Tina liked these same things. So I thought, she's never played bass yet, but she's played the acoustic folk guitar and she's played the flute and she can even actually read music, which neither David nor I could do very well. But most importantly, perhaps, she's a really good, good dancer. Right. And she really has a great sense of rhythm. I could tell by dancing with her that, you know, her sense of rhythm was fantastic. So, so, um, I so kept you, she was kept such a dancer, you knew that, well, this, she can play bass. She's got rhythm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Turns out I was right. Turns out you were right. Well, may I pause there and we'll have a little listen to Psycho Killer and some of the other songs that you mentioned. Absolutely. And, uh, if you would indulge me to come back and talk a little bit further, because uh, there's so much I want to know, and I'm sure there's so much all the listeners want to learn. I mean, don't tell us the entire book. <laughs> there's got to be something for everybody to read. And, um, you, but anyway, let's listen to Psycho Killer and a couple of other cuts. Mm -hmm. 